Welcome to A Breath of Fresh Air with Brentley Jordan, where we take in words of life about real life. You're listening to part four of an eight-episode podcast series answering one overarching question, who do you think you are? Throughout these eight episodes, we're looking to gather information about you from the one who created you. We do that through looking at what the living God has said about those whom he has created. Here are the four questions we're looking at to help us answer our overarching question. Number one, why do you exist? Number two, who are you? Number three, what are you supposed to do? Number four, how do you grow? In the last episode, we started answering the second question, who are you? Who are you? You are God's incredible creation. In this episode, we're focusing in on the second part of the answer to that question. Who are you? First of all, I have a question for you. What is it that blows your mind? I read in the Guinness Book of World Records recently that a man named John Evans balanced a car on his head for 33 seconds. I also read that a man named Michael Latito has been eating two pounds of metal per day for the last 40 years. I suppose, on some level, that blows my mind. The passages I want to share with you today share something much more mind-blowing. Here's the first one. 1 John 3.1 says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. This verse is telling us that who we are is children of God, loved by God. There are countless things about this that I find there are countless things about this that I find amazing, but let's just start with one. We're not that lovable. I'm not that lovable. I know that. I imagine you're not always that lovable. I mean, sure, the front you put on is sometimes relatively lovable for a short time, but if someone knew everything about you and spent lots of time with you, would they still think you're lovable? Psalm 139 says this in verses 1 through 4. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And then in verse 13, we read this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Here's a key concept I can take from these words. 
God knows us inside and out. Nothing about us is a mystery to him. You know of all the great things about you and that you wish others would recognize. God knows all of those. And here's where it gets tough. You also know of all those not so great things about you. God knows all of those as well. God sees the best about me and the worst about me. His choice to pour love on me does not depend on the good things about me or the bad things about me. His choice is not based on my character or my accomplishments at all. His choice to love me is based on his character and his accomplishments. He chooses to see you as a He chooses to see you as his child and lavish his unconditional love on you. When is the last time you received an unconditional gift? Now, I'm a bit embarrassed to admit it, but for some reason, the idea makes me think of this old show that used to be on a long time ago that you probably haven't even heard of, but it was called The Oprah Winfrey Show. This show is famous for having some incredible giveaway episodes. One year, every member in the studio audience received the following things. They hadn't done anything special to deserve them. They were just there. They received a jacket and a cashmere scarf, a 30-inch wide LCD TV, a washer and a dryer, a free resort and spa vacation, plus airfare, jeans, a watch, a computer, some other miscellaneous things, and a number of gift certificates. On another year, every member of the studio audience received a brand new car. I don't know about you, but if I had been in one of those audiences, I would have felt lavished with gifts. I believe that's similar to what John is talking about when he speaks of the love our Heavenly Father has lavished on us. One average-sized gift would have seemed just fine to any member of that studio audience. Instead, they were lavished with a quantity and a quality of gifts that surely blew them away. God has lavished his love on us. He has created us in a beautiful world that we can enjoy and live in. He gave us a brain to think with, eyes to see with, hands to touch with, and I could go on and on. He gave us friends and family who love, encourage, and take care of us. He gave us all sorts of skills and interests and ways that we can pursue them. He gave us water skiing, basketball, and chocolate cheesecake. He gave us art and music. He gave us his words so that we might understand who we are, who he is, and why we are here. He has given us everything we could possibly need. He has lavished us with his love. Now, imagine one of those members of that studio audience said, you know, I'm actually not interested in receiving that jacket, scarf, TV, washer, dryer, vacation, computer, etc. That sounds insane. What if we were to say to God, you know, I'm not interested in being seen as your child and receiving the love you have lavished on me. 
have you responded to the love God has lavished on you? Here's another passage that throws wide open my understanding of God's love for me. You may recognize it as the prayer that I pray over you at the end of each of these podcast episodes. It comes from Ephesians 3, verses 17 through 19. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul had an understanding of the extent of Christ's love that he was longing for others to grasp just how incredible this love is, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep. He seemed to believe that understanding this love would totally change people's lives. Imagine that you are on the varsity basketball team at your school. Your team is playing in the state championship. This is the first time that your school has ever made it to the state championship. It's been an incredibly intense and close game all the way. No team has been up by more than six points, and there have been 13 lead changes. There's eight seconds left, and your team has the ball, and you're down by two points. The coach calls a timeout. He instructs the team to get the ball to you. As you walk back on the court, the booming chants of the crowd seem to be in an eerie rhythm perfectly in sync with the pounding of your heartbeat. The whistle blows and you fly by a solid pick that about floors your defender. The inbound pass reaches your hands with a loud smack. No sooner than the end of the sound of that smack and you are off towards the hoop. Yet quickly following is the new defender directly in your face. You spin backwards to your left and then quickly return forward to your right, leaning in, signaling a strong move to the hoop. Then your sneakers squeal from the sound of your stop-on-a-dime pull-up just outside the three-point line. You extend your arms with beautiful technique and release the ball with perfect follow-through. As it rotates along its arced path, everything seems to go completely quiet for what seems like much longer than the split second that it was in reality. The silence is pierced by the abrasive sound of the final buzzer and the ball drops ever so gracefully through the hoop. Swoosh! How would you feel in that moment? Personally, I... I get pumped up just imagining the joy and excitement that a moment like that would hold. Remember that feeling for a moment. We'll get back to it. When a follower of Christ stands before God in heaven and comes to fully understand the extent of his incredible love, he or she will, now remember the feeling that I asked you to hold on to, he or she will burst into just such a feeling of joy and excitement along with overwhelming praise and gratitude. And that intense amazement will not just last for a moment, but for the rest of eternity. That is the response that will come out of us like a reflex reaction when we, for the first time, fully understand how much God loves us. 
for the rest of eternity will burst into the most incredible praise. A love like that. That love is for you. How do you feel about that? Who are you? You are God's incredible creation, a child of God, loved by God. Father, I pray that each listener in this very moment would be strengthened today with power through your spirit in their inner being so that you, Jesus, would dwell in their hearts through faith. I pray that each listener would be rooted and established in your message of love so that they may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to episode four of this eight-episode podcast series entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? I hope you'll share this with a friend and join me again for the next episode.